Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, chapter 10 of A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, the carnivorous carnival. Does anybody else do gymnastics? I wonder if anybody listening to this does gymnastics. And if you do, let us know. You can give us a a response on one of the um, episodes if you want and tell us what advice you have for Peyton because Peyton just started doing gymnastics. So if you have any advice... Or if there's any gymnasts out there, we'd love to hear from you. Huh, Pei? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She got some cute gymnastics um, leotards from Target. Because, like, it's Target. Hello. And today she has gymnastics. And tomorrow. So she has gymnastics two days a week. And I bet there are some of you listening that have gymnastics, like, five days a week. Because that can get addicting, huh? If you're really good at something, you want to just keep going and going. All right. Chapter 10. I'm going... I'm going to the pit right now, cried a woman in the crowd. I want to have a good view of the show. So do I, said the man standing next to her. There's no point in having lions eat somebody if you can't watch it happen. Well, we'd better hurry, said the man with the pimples on his chin. There's quite a crowd here. The Baudelaire orphans looked around and saw that the pimpled man was speaking the truth. The news of Caligari Carnival's latest attraction must have spread far beyond the hinderlands because there were many more visitors than there were yesterday and there seemed to be more and more arriving each minute. I'll lead the way to the pit, announced Count Olaf. After all, the lion's show was my idea, so I should get to walk in front. It was your idea, asked a woman. Asked a woman the children didn't, the children recognized from their stay at Heimlich Hospital. She was wearing a gray suit and chewing gum as she spoke into a microphone, and the siblings remembered that she was a reporter from the Daily Punctilio. I'd love to write about it in the paper. What's your name? <gasps> Count Olaf, Count Olaf said proudly. I can see the headline now. Count Olaf thinks up an idea for the lion show, said the reporter. Wait until the readers of the Daily Punctilio see that. Wait a minute, someone said. I thought Count Olaf was murdered by those three children. That was Count Omar, reporter said. I, I should know. I've been writing about the Baudelaire's for the Daily Punctilio. Count Omar was mur- murdered by those three Baudelaire children who, were, who still remain at large. If anyone ever finds them, someone in the crowd said, we'll throw them to the lions. Ugh, excellent idea, Count Olaf replied. But in the meantime, the lions will have a meal of one delicious freak. Follow me, everyone, for an afternoon of violence and sloppy eating. Hooray, cried several members of the crowd as Olaf took a bow and he began to lead everyone in the direction of the ruined roller coaster where the lions were waiting. Come with me, freaks, Count Olaf ordered, pointing to the Baudelaire's. My assistants are bringing the others. We all want freaks assembled and choosing for assembled for the choosing ceremony. I will bring I will bring them my Olaf, Madame Lulu said her disguised accent emerging from the fortune-telling tent. Then she saw the Baudelaire's. Her eyes widened as she quickly held her hands behind her back. You lead the cr- you lead to the crowd pit, please, and give me interview to newspaper on way. Oh, yes, said the reporter. I can see the headline now. Exclusive interview with Count Olaf, who is not Count Omar, who is dead. 
who was not... Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Wait till the readers of the Daily Punctilio see that. It will be exciting for people to read about me, Count Olaf said. All the right, I will walk... I will... All the all right, I will walk with the reporter, Lulu. I, but hurry with the hurry up with the freaks," said my Olaf. Or hurry up with the freaks. Yes, my Olaf, Miss Madame Lulu said. Come with me, freaky peoples, please. Lulu held her hands for the Baudelaire's to take, as if she was their mother, walking them from across the street instead of a fake fortune-telling tent to a lion's pit. The children could see that one of Madame Lulu's palms had a streak of dirt on it, while the other hand was closed in an odd, tight fist. The children did not want to take those hands and walk towards the lion show, but there were so many people gathered around, eagerly expecting violence, that it seemed that they had no other choice. Sunny grabbed a hold of Lulu's right hand, and Violet grabbed Lulu's left as they walked together in an awkward knot in the direction of the ruined roller coaster. Olivia... Klaus began to say, but then looked around the crowd and realized it would be foolish to use her real name. I mean, Madame Lulu, he corrected himself and leaned across Violet to speak quietly as he could. Let's walk very slowly, as, as slowly as we can. Maybe we can find the opportunity to sneak back to the tent and dismantle the lightning device. Madame Lulu did not answer, but merely shook her head slightly to indicate that that was not a good time to speak of such matters. Fan belt, Sunny reminded her as quickly as she could, but Madame Lulu just shook her head. You kept your promise, didn't you? murmured. Klaus murmured scarcely to a whisper, but Madame Lulu stared ahead as if she had not heard. He nudged his older sister inside the shared shirt. Violet, he said, scarcely daring to use her real name. Ask Madame Lulu to walk slowlier, more slowly. Violet glanced briefly at Klaus and then turned her head to catch Sunny's eye. The younger Baudelaire looked at her sister and watched, at, watched her shake her head slightly just as Madame, Lu- as Madame Lulu had, then looked down. She was holding the fortune teller's hand between the two of, Violet, two of Violet's fingers. Klaus, had, Klaus and Sunny could see the tip of the small piece of rubber, which they recognized immediately. It was part of Madame Lulu's lighting device that resembled a fan belt. The very thing Violet needed to turn the cart of the roller coaster in- of her invention into that could oh, turn the roller coaster into an invention that could carry the Baudelaire's out of the hinterlands and up them up Mortmain mountains. But instead of feeling hopeful, they looked at this crucial item in Violet's hand. All three Baudelaire's felt something quite a bit less pleasant. If you've ever experienced something that feels strangely familiar, as if it is exactly, as if the exact same thing has happened to you before, then you are experiencing what the French call déjà vu. Like most French expressions, ennui, which is a fancy term for severe boredom, or la petite mort, which describes a feeling that has died. Déjà vu refers to something that is usually not pleasant, and it is not pleasant for the Baudelaire orphans to arrive to the lion pit and experience the queasy feeling of déjà vu. When the children had been staying at Heimlich Hospital, they found themselves in an operating theater surrounded by a large large crowd that was very eager to see some violence occur, such as an operation performed on someone. When the children were living in the town of VFD, they found themselves in a field surrounded by a large crowd eager to see something violent occur, such as burning someone at the stake. And now, Madame Lulu let go of their of their hands, the children looked at the enormous and strangely familiar crowd towering over them as they ruin, ru, uh, at the ruined roller coaster. Once again, there were people eager for something violent to happen. Once again, the Baudelaire's 
were afraid for their lives, and once again, it was all because of Count Olaf. The siblings looked past the cheering crowd at the roller coaster cart that Violet had adapted. The invention needed the fan belt, and the children could continue their search for one of the Baudelaire parents. But as Violet, Klaus, and Sunny looked across the pit at the two small carts joined with the ivy and the and altered to travel across the hinderlands, they felt the queasiness of deja vu and wondered if there was another unhappy ending in store for them. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, the most exciting afternoon of your life, to the most exciting afternoon of your entire lives, Count Olaf announced and cracked his whip to the pit. The pit was just long enough to... The whip was just long enough to strike the restless lion who roared obediently and gnashed his huge teeth in hunger. These carnivorous lions are ready to eat a freak, he said. But which freak will it be? The crowd parted and the hook-handed man emerged, leading the Baudelaire's, leading the Baudelaire's co-worker and a li- co-workers in a line towards the edge of the pit where the Baudelaire stood. Hugo, Colette, and Kevin had evidently been told that the dress told to dress in their freakish clothes rather than the griffs that Esme had given them. And they gave the Baudelaire's a small smile and and stared nervously at the lions. Once the children's co-workers had taken their places, Count Olaf's other comrades emerged from the crowd. Esme Squalor was wearing a pinstripe suit and carrying a parasol, which is a small umbrella used for keeping the sun off of one eyes. And she smiled at the crowd and sat down on a small chair brought by Olaf's bald associate, who was holding a long, flat piece of wood that he placed on the edge of the pit so it hung over the lions like a diving board or a swimming pool. Oh, over a swimming pool. Finally, the two white-faced women stepped forward, holding a small wooden box with a hole on top. I'm so glad this is my last day in these clothes, Hugo murmured to the Baudelaire's, gesturing to his ill-fitting coat. I just, I just think soon I'll be a member of Count Olaf's troop and I'll never have to look like a freak again. Unless you're thrown to the lions, Klaus said. He couldn't help repeating. Are you kidding, Hugo whispered back. I'm, I'm one of the chosen ones. I'm going to throw Madame Lulu into the pit, just like Esme said. Look closely at all of these freaks, Count Olaf said, as several people in the audience teetered. Observe Hugo's funny back. Think about how silly it is that Colette can bend herself into all strange positions. Giggle the absurdity at Kevin's ambidextrous arms and legs. Snicker at Beverly and Elliot's two-headed freak. And the sight that you can barely, scarcely breathe at a Chabo, the baby wolf. The crowd... The crowd erupted into laughter, pointing and laughing at the people they thought were the funniest. Look at Chavo's ridiculous teeth, cried a woman who had dyed her hair several colors at once. She looks positively idiotic. And I think Kevin is funnier, replied the, the, replied her husband, who had dyed his hair just as much. I hope he, he's thrown into the pit. He'll be, it'll be fun to see him defend himself with both of his hands and feet. What the? Ay, ay, ay. I hope it's the hook-handed freak, said the woman standing behind the Baudelaire's. That will make it even more violent. I am not a freak, the hook-handed man said snardly and impatiently. I'm an employee of Count Olaf. Oh, sorry, the woman replied. In case, I hope it's the man with all the pimples over his chin. I'm a member of the audience, the man cried. I'm not a freak. I just have a few skin problems. Then what about that woman in a silly suit, she asked, or the guy with one eyebrow? 
I'm Count Olaf's girlfriend, Esme said, and my, and my suit is not silly. I don't care who's a freak and who isn't, someone in the crowd said. I just want to see the lions eat somebody. Oh, you will, Count Olaf promised. We're going to have the choosing ceremony right now. The names of all the freaks have been written down on a small scrap of paper and placed in the box that the two lovely ladies are holding. The two white-faced women held up a wooden box and curtsied to the audience while Esme frowned at them. I don't think this is I don't think they're particularly lovely, she said, but a few people heard her over the cheering, but few people heard her over the cheering crowd. I'm going to reach inside this box, Count Olaf said, and draw one piece of paper and read the name of the freak out loud. Then that freak will walk down the wooden plank and jump into the pit and we'll all watch as the lions eat him. Or her, Esme said. She looked over at Madame Lulu and then the Baudelaire's at their, at their, and their co-workers. Putting down a parasol, per, putting down her parasol for a moment, she raised both of her long nailed hands and made a small pushing motion to remind them that sh- of her scheme or her. Count Olaf said, looking nervously at Esme's gesture. Now, there are are there any questions before we begin? Why do you get to choose the name? The pimple man asked. Because the whole thing was my idea, of course, said Olaf. I have a question, asked the woman with dyed hair. Is this legal? Oh, stop spoiling the fun, her husband said. You want to come here and watch people get eaten by a lion? So I brought you here. And if you're going to ask a bunch of complicated questions, we can go to wait in the car. Please continue your your countship, said the reporter from the Daily Punctilio. I will, said Count Olaf, and he whipped the lions once more before he before reaching into the wooden box. Giving the children and their co-workers a cruel smile, he moved his hand around inside, around inside the box for quite some time before at, at last drawing out a small piece of paper that had been folded many times. Oh my gosh, this is like the Hunger Games, Peyton. Remember? Peyton, are you sleeping? He's pulling their name out of a, a wooden box like they do in the Hunger Games out of the glass bowl. May the odds be ever in your favor. They should say that. The crowd leaned forward to watch, and the Baudelaire strained to see over their heads of the, of the adults around them. But Count Olaf did not unfold the piece of paper improperly, or immediately. Instead, he held it as high as he could to give the audience a large smile. I am going to open the piece of paper very slowly, he announced, to increase the suspense. How clever, the reporter said, her gum in ex- chewing her gum in excitement. I can see the headlines now. Count Olaf increases suspense. I turned to ama- I learned how to amaze the crowds by working extensively in a fa- as a famous actor, Count Olaf said, smiling at the reporter, still holding up the piece of paper. Be sure you write that down. Oh, I will, said the reporter, breathing, said breathlessly, and held her microphone closer to Olaf's mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, Olaf cried, I am now unfolding the first fold of the piece of paper. Oh boy, cried several members of the audience. Hooray for the first fold. There are only five folds left, Olaf said. Only five more folds and I will let you know which of the freaks will be thrown to the lions. Oh, this is so exciting, cried the man with dyed hair. I might faint. Oh, don't just faint into the pit, his wife said. I am now unfolding the second fold of the piece of paper, Olaf announced. Now there are only four folds left. The lions roared impatiently as if they were tired of all this nonsense with the piece of paper, but the audience cheered and increased the suspense and paid no attention to the beast in the pit, gazing only at Count Olaf, who smiled and blew kisses to the carnival visitors. Ew. Yucky, huh? 
The Baudelaire's, however, were no longer looking over their heads to the crowd, which Olaf did his shtick. A phrase here which means increase the suspense by sh- slowly unfolding the piece of paper printed with some with it by the name of somebody who was supposed to jump into the pit of the lions. They were taking advantage of the fact that no one was watching them and stepping as close as they could to one another to take to so they could talk without being overheard. Do you think we could sneak around the around the pit to the roller coaster carts? murmured hit Klaus to his sister. Hank it's too crowded, Violet replied. Do you think that we could get the lions not to eat anyone? I think they're too hungry, Klaus said, squinting down at the growling beasts. I read in a book about large feline animals that said when they're hungry enough, they'll eat practically anything. Is there anything else you've read about lions that can help us? I don't think so, Klaus replied. Is there anything that you can invent from the fan belt that can help us? I don't think so, Violet replied, her voice faint with fear. Deja vu, Sunny called to her siblings. She meant something along the lines of, we must be able to think of something that can help us. We've escaped from bloodthirsty crowds before. Sonny's right, Klaus said. We've lived at Heimlich Hospital, and we learned about stalling the crowd when we postponed Olaf's scheme to operate on you. And when we lived at the village of foul devotees, Violet said, we learned about psychology. And when we watched the the villagers get so upset that they couldn't think clearly. But what can we do with this crowd? What can we do now? Both, Sonny murmured, and then quickly and then growled quickly in case nobody was in case somebody was listening i unfold the paper again count olaf crowed and i probably do not have to tell you that he explained that there are only three folds left or that the crowd cheered him more or as if he had done something very brave or noble i probably don't have to tell you that he announced the remaining three folds if they were very as if they were very exciting events and that the crowd cheered him on each time eagerly waiting for the violence to follow and sloppy eating. But I probably didn't have to tell you that what was written on the piece of paper, because if you had read the piece of paper from the wretched book, then you were well acquainted with the Baudelaire orphans and you know what kind of freakish luck that they have. Oh gosh, it's their name. A person with normal luck would arrive at the carnival in comfortable circumstances, such as a double-decker bus or on the back of an elephant, and would probably have a pleasant time enjoying all of those things a carnival has to offer, and would probably feel very content at the end of their stay. But the Baudelaire's had arrived at Caligari Carnival in the trunk of an automobile, and had been forced to put themselves in uncomfortable disguises, take part in a humiliating show, and place themselves in dangerous circumstances, and, as their freakish luck would have it, not even found the not even found information they were hoping to discover. So it probably would not be a surprise to you to learn that Hugo's name was not printed on that piece of paper in Count Olaf's hand, or Colette's name, or Kevin's name, who was clasping his equally skilled hands together in nervous in nervousness as Olaf unfolded the paper completely. Not and it will surprise you that when Count Olaf announced what the paper said, the eyes of the entire crowd felt fell on dis- the disguised children. But although you might not be surprised at Count Olaf's announcement, you might be surprised at the announcement that one of the siblings made immediately afterward. Ladies and gentlemen, Count Olaf announced, Beverly and Elliot, the two-headed freak, will be thrown to the lions today. Ladies and gentlemen, the Violet Baudelaire announced, we are thrilled to be chosen. Wait, does Violet know something that her siblings don't know? Peyton? 
Does Violet know something her sister? Mm-hmm. Oh, she knows. It's part of the scheme that we don't know when it's a secret. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's, this is going to be good, huh? This is going to be good.